We are about to kick off a new series here. As you can see on the screen, it is called I Am. But before I jump into the series and the message and all of that stuff, I just want to ask a question. Have any of y'all seen those Jesus Gets Us commercials? Anybody seen those on TV? If you haven't seen them, they're these commercials, and they kind of start off like not letting you know who they're really talking about. Like it'll be like there was a little boy in the town. And the king was wiping out all of the kids in the town. And the little boy and his family had to flee to another land and they had to stay there. And they didn't know if they were ever going to get to return to their home. And then it's like Jesus was a refugee. Jesus gets us. And of course, it's talking about when Jesus was born and Herod issued a decree to, to kill all the male babies that were under a certain age. And Mary and Joseph took Jesus and they fled into Egypt but the, the commercials pointing out that Jesus was a refugee and that Jesus gets us, that, that he's experienced the things that we've experienced. And I wondered to myself, like, why do we want Jesus to, why do we want to relate to Jesus that way? And why do we want Jesus to be able to relate to us in that way? Why do we do that? Well, to relate to someone, you have to really know them. I can't know you or I can't relate to you if I don't know you. And there is this passage in Scripture where Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples, and he asked his disciples, he said, who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? And the disciples responded, they said, hey, some say you're Elijah, some say you're one of the prophets, some say that you are John the Baptist. And then Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And it was Peter in that moment who said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to Peter, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but you got this from my father in heaven. Who do you say Jesus is? Who, does, who is Jesus to you? I remember back in late spring, early summer 2001, I was at work. I was working for Verizon back then. Well, back then it was called Bell Atlantic. That should tell some of y'all, Pastor Jay, really old. But, but I was working for Verizon. And there was this lady in our office and her name was Jody Green. And Jody Green came to my desk one day and she was like, hey, they called me Blizz. She was like, hey, Blizz, you got a second? I was like, yeah, what's up, Jody? She said, I got somebody I want you to meet. I was like, well, I'm on a call right now. Let me finish my call and then I will come meet this person that you want me to meet. And she's like, all right, hurry up. Come on, be quick because I want you to meet this person. So I get off my call. I go over to where I see Jody Green standing at, and Jody Green standing next to this fine young thing, right? She was wearing her yellow fleece, old navy jacket with some black fleece, old navy pants. Yes, I remember what she was wearing. And she said, hey, Blizz, I want to introduce you to this, this young lady. Her name's Rashida. Now, Rashida didn't feel good that day. She had on a headscarf. Y'all black women know what I'm talking about, right? She had on her headscarf. She didn't want to do her hair. She wasn't feeling good. That's why she was wearing all the fleece and stuff. But I saw this young woman, and I was like, um, uh, hi. Yeah, I really kind of punked out in that moment, right? I was like, uh, hi, uh, hi, I'm, 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 uh, I'm Jamil, hi. <laughs> but I met this young lady that day, thanks to Jody Green. Now, in that moment, I didn't really know her. I didn't know anything about her. I thought she was cute. I thought I wanted to get to know her more. But in order to get to know her more, I had to spend some time with her. And now I can look at this person after 19 years of marriage and say, I really, really love this woman because I know her. I know her way more than I knew her that day. See, in that moment on that day, I liked her. I liked what I saw. And maybe that's what happens with some of us with Jesus. 
we hear something or we like what we see, we like this idea that, hey, if I just say I'm going to follow this guy, I don't have to spend eternity in hell. So we like that. We don't really love Jesus because we don't really know Jesus. And I want to love Jesus. And, and that's the purpose of this series, in all honesty, is we want you guys to know Jesus to the point that you really, truly love him. Not that you just like him. Not that you just know about him, but that when someone says the name of Jesus, that your eyes light up. The same way I do when I see Miss Rashida walk in the room. I'm like, hey, right? We want you to feel that way about Jesus. Because to know him is to love him, and to love him is to pursue him. But it's important that we understand. And here's something I'm going to say to you repeatedly today, and I want you to catch this. Relationship breeds revelation. If you really want to know who Jesus is, if you really want to catch a revelation of who he is, you need to be in relationship with him. I wonder, I honestly wonder for us, how we might love differently and how we might live differently and how we might trust differently and believe differently if we had a real revelation of Jesus that caused us to love him the way that we're going to see here in Scripture today. If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn to the book of John. We're going to be in the book of John throughout this series. All of these statements that that we're going to talk about, there are seven of them that Jesus makes that start with this little phrase, I am, that we're going to talk about in this series, and they are all found in the book of John. Now, I want to give you a little context before I read today. John often referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And John is a person that knew Jesus. He knew him well. If you look at that picture of the Last Supper, John is the one who's sitting right next to Jesus, who's kind of leaning up against Jesus. John was, the, was one of the three who were the closest with Jesus, along with Peter and John's brother, James. They were really tight with Jesus, and John knew him. And today we're going to start in John chapter 8, and we're going to be reading right now from verses 51 through 58. I'm reading from the ESV. I see some of you have your phones and you're following along. If you want to see exactly what I'm looking at, it's the ESV. If not, it's going to be up here on the screen for you. But Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Now, Jesus is having a conversation with the Pharisees. Here. And this is that religious group that hated Jesus. They hated everything that he was about. This was the religious group that led Israel. They're the one that taught them the law and all of that stuff. So they believed that they had all of the understanding that was necessary to follow God. And here comes Jesus saying that if you, if you keep my words, you will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. So they're telling Jesus, man, you got a demon in you if this is how you are talking. He says, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Oh, I'm sorry, I've done messed up. I went back too far. They, the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father, Abraham, who died? Now, if you know the story of the Jews, you know that they descended from this man named Abraham. Back in the book of Genesis, long, long time ago, God made a promise to a man named Abram. And he said, Abram, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And out of Abram, he gave his wife, Sarah, gave birth to a son named Isaac. And from Isaac, Isaac had 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel. And so this whole nation stemmed all the way back to this man, Abraham. And so as Jesus is having this conversation, talking about if you keep my words, you'll never taste death. They're like Abraham died. And he's the one who God started all of this through. So are you saying that you're greater than Abraham? Who do you make yourselves out to be? 
And then verse 54, Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God, but you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. So catch this conversation. Jesus is like, look, y'all are a bunch of liars. You're a bunch of hypocrites. You're a bunch of thieves. This is not a pleasant conversation. You have men who are not used to being talked to this way. They were the rulers of Israel. And so now you have this, this guy, this carpenter's son, who is challenging them in public. And he's calling them a liar. They're saying that God is their God and that they descended from Abraham. And so Jesus said, your father Abraham rejoiced that I would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So Jesus just called him a liar. He calls because they called Abraham their father. He said Abraham saw this day coming and he was glad about it. And in verse 57, so the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old. Have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. What was so powerful about that statement that Jesus made before Abraham was, I am, that they picked up stones to throw at him. Now, I know some of y'all love illustrated messages, so I have a little illustration for you. I got my buddy. We have a guest in church today. I call him Dwayne Johnson. You'll catch that in a second. But imagine as Jesus is having this conversation, they're going back and forth. This whole time, they are thinking that they are better than Jesus. They're saying, we descended from Abraham. You don't know what you're talking about. We have the law. We have the truth. We are the teachers of Israel. And yet you walk in here and you think you know what you're talking about. And Jesus says that your father Abraham would have rejoiced to see my day. In fact, he did see it. And he is rejoicing like Abraham's in heaven right now, rejoicing that I'm here standing before you, that my time has come. And they say, you're not yet 50 years old. And Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. And they pick up rocks like this. To throw at Jesus. What was so powerful about those two words, I am, that it made them want to stone Jesus? Let me put this down because this dude kind of heavy, boy. Woo! Dwayne Johnson, my man. When Jesus said before Abraham was, I am, Jesus made a very clear statement that they caught in that moment that you and I may not catch from reading that verse. But when Jesus said before Abraham was, I am, Jesus said to them, looked them square in the face and said, I am God. I am God. That's what that statement means. I am God. And because they heard it in that context and because they knew it in that context, they thought he was being blasphemous. And in their law, if you blaspheme God, you were immediately stoned. That's why they picked up those stones to stone Jesus. And I've heard people say Jesus never calls himself God. There's nowhere in scripture where Jesus says that he is God. He says it right here, clear as day. I am God. Look back at John chapter one real quick. And let's just take a look at another passage of scripture for a second. 
And John, again, John is writing about this Jesus whom he knew, who he was close to and whom he loved. And John said, in the beginning was the word. I'm in verse one. He says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. And then he goes on to talk about John the Baptist for a second. But then if we jump down to verse 14, he picks back up and he says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is of the, as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is God made manifest. Jesus is God in the flesh, the word of God. When God spoke and said, let there be light, that was Jesus who was speaking and saying, let there be light. And it was good. This is the God who clothed himself in flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. And this is the same God who was standing before the Jews that day and said, before Abraham was, I am. And they picked up stones in that moment to stone him. So God himself is the second person of the Trinity, emptied himself of his glory, clothed himself in flesh and lived among us. Relationship breeds revelation. And God is revealing himself to us in the person of Jesus. Remember I said that, that when Jesus said before Abraham was, I am, like he was saying, I am God. And you may be thinking like, Jay, where'd you get that from? Where I don't see that in this text. And you would be right that you don't see that in this text here, specifically in John 8. But the reason the Jews understood that so well was because of something that happened way back in the book of Exodus. Now, if you're new to the Bible, you may not know some of these books I'm throwing out. I talked about Genesis, and I'm talking about Exodus. These are the first two books in the Bible. And Genesis tells us the story of the creation, but Exodus tells us the story of how the children of Israel, those 12 sons of, of Joseph, those, I'm sorry, those 12 sons of, of Jacob, how they were set, how they were put in slavery, and now they're being set free. And Exodus tells us that. And we're going to go back to Exodus for a moment to see why this statement was so powerful to those Jews, why they wanted to stone Jesus because of it. And this will kind of set the tone for the rest of the series so that you understand what Jesus is saying. If you turn back to Exodus chapter three, not Genesis chapter three, I was about to read to y'all about the fall of man, but that's not today. Exodus chapter three is where we're going to go. And we're going to read verses one through eight briefly, and then we're going to jump down to 14 again. And in Exodus 3, chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west, the west side of the wilderness, and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Now, anytime you see, I've heard some people also say that Jesus is not in the Old Testament. Let me give you a little seminary lesson here just for a quick moment. Anytime you see this phrase, the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, that's what's known as a Christophany. It's an Old Testament reference to Jesus. This is Jesus before he became God manifest in flesh on earth in the New Testament. Jesus would show up throughout the Old Testament and you will see, it, see him listed as the angel of the Lord. This happened in the story of Gideon, the man who was a coward. And it says that the angel of the Lord came to Gideon under the terebinth tree and he called him mighty man of valor. This is Jesus making an appearance on earth. In the Old Testament, but it says in verse two, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he, God said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. 
So here we see Jesus again. I am God. This place that you're coming to, this is holy ground that you're about to be in. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. So by this point, the children of Israel have been in slavery for 400 years. And the end of the previous chapter, the end of Exodus chapter two, it ends with one very succinct verse. It says the Lord saw and he knew. And it's talking about the Lord seeing the affliction of the children of Israel there in Egypt. And he knew it was time to pull them out of that. And he said, the Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up to a land to a land, to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of all the ites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Mosquito Bites, all those guys. <laughs> and then Moses said, all right, God, I hear you. I acknowledge this is you. I'll go and I'll tell these people that. But who should I tell them sent me? And that's when we jump down to verse 14. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. That name I am there in the Hebrews name Yahweh in the Greek Jehovah. And this is God being personal with his people. This is God giving his people a name that they can call him, a name that nobody else can use with them. This name was so holy, in fact, that when they, they wouldn't even say it out loud. But he's saying, I am. Tell them that I am has sent you. And as we go through these seven statements, each one of Jesus, the Lord, revealing a portion of himself to you so that you can know him better. Jesus is saying, I am. And he's revealing himself to you. A couple of weeks ago when Pastor Brian was Preaching on mental, mental reset, he, talked, he made this statement. He said, whatever follows I am, follows you. And he was talking about when we walk around and we say, I am tired, I am depressed, I am anxious. But he was saying that whatever follows I am, follows you, because that phrase I am links to your identity. And in this moment, God is saying, tell them that I am has sent you. He is revealing his whole identity to us, that I am the God of your fathers, of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, that I am a God who is connected to you, that I am personal with you. And he is the same God who would say to you and me today, I am your God, and I want to be in relationship with you. I want to be personal with you. In fact, I sent my son Jesus to die on a cross so that you and I could be in relationship with one another once again. All of this, all of this is about relationship. So Jesus is saying to you today, when he says, I am, he's saying, I am God, but I'm not just God. I am your God, and I want to be in relationship with you. Now, you may be thinking, no, duh, Pastor Jay, I get that. I know that God, I know that Jesus is God, and I know that he wants to be in relationship with me. But do you? Do you live like you know that? Do you trust him like you know that he is God? Do you believe in him like you believe that he is God? And catch this. What I really mean by this is this. Think about Peter for a second. Peter was one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. Peter was a man that walked with Jesus 
each and every day. Peter was a man who made the confession that you are the Christ, the son of the living God, that made Jesus say that you didn't get that from flesh and blood, that my father in heaven revealed that to you. Peter was the one who said, Jesus, I will die with you. I will, no matter what they do, I'll go to prison. Whatever it takes, I am with you to the end. Peter was the one who, when they came to arrest Jesus, he pulled out his sword and cut off the servant's ear. This was Peter, but Peter was also the one who just a little bit later denied Jesus. And I'm saying this to you because I know that we can live on both sides of that fence. We can simultaneously say, Jesus, I know you and I love you. And then in the next breath with our actions, we can deny him. We do it. We do it all the time. When we, just, when we choose to please our flesh or when we choose to pursue the things in the world instead of pursuing him, we're denying him. And so I'm saying this to you today because if we have a true revelation of who Jesus is, if we have a true revelation of the fact that Jesus is God, that he has revealed himself to us as God, that he's not just a good man, that he's not just a prophet, that he's not just some nice fictional character that we can all look up to, that he's not just some role model, but that Jesus is God Almighty, that he's the Lord of the universe, it will change how you see him, it will change how you worship him, and it will change how you live in submission to him. You have to truly see Jesus for who he is. And in this moment, Jesus is saying that I am God. That only comes, you knowing Jesus that way, only comes from it being revealed to you. Just like he told Peter, this didn't come from flesh and blood, but from my heavenly father. It only comes from it being revealed to you. But that revelation only comes through relationship. I really want for you guys, and I'm about to make a statement that preachers should never make because that means that the, the sermon's about to go on for 40 more minutes, but today's message is a short message. If, if y'all didn't notice, I'm the shorter of the two preachers. <laughs> but I was thinking about this the last couple of days because Whenever I prepare messages, I'm, I like content. Like, I, I'm the nerd of the group. Like, I want to know all the Greek words and the Hebrew words and, and all of that stuff. And, and I was thinking through all of that stuff, and I was praying, and I was like, okay, God, I feel like I have a good idea of what you want me to share with your people. But I almost felt like the Lord just didn't want me to share any of that. Because you're never going to get a real revelation of who Jesus is through words. It's not going to come from knowing what a word means in the Greek and the Hebrew or what Strong's concordance number that uses. Or, hey, Pastor Jay grabbed a Greek lexicon and he did this or that. And that doesn't reveal to you who Jesus is. I want you to know Jesus and to love Jesus the way that I do and even more. But that has come through relationship. It's come through experience. It's come through counting on him time and time again and just being obedient to his word and and knowing that no matter what he says, that he's going to see me through it. But that comes through submitting to him. That comes through relationship. And that's not something that I can teach you. That's something that each of us have to be willing to submit to. And it made me think about when, (laughs) when I felt like the Lord was saying it's time to plant a church. I was in a good job in a place that I really liked, and I was making good money. And I'm like, you want me to go do what, God? 
But he would say, do you trust me? Do you trust me? We didn't know what the outcome was going to be. And I can only imagine with Moses in this moment, you're just out here with your sheep. You're just out here tending your sheep. And you see this bush that's on fire, but it's not burning. And this bush starts to talk to you. The place you're standing is holy ground. And he would say, and the Lord tells Moses, go, tell my people and go tell Pharaoh. Who should I say sent me? I am. I think when God shared that name with Moses in that moment, it's like an instant connection. Because he wasn't just telling Moses, I am their God. He was telling Moses, I am your God. And when I know, and, I, and when Moses in that moment, and I know for me that when I can walk, Wherever the Lord is sending me, and I know that he's with me, I don't have to be afraid of anything. I can go confidently. And I think many of us go through life and we lack confidence because we don't have a real revelation of who he is. We don't have a real revelation of the God who is with us. We don't have a real revelation of the one who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We still see Jesus as a get out of hell free card. He's the chance or the community chess thing on the Monopoly board. I get out of hell free. We don't have a real revelation of the fact that we worship and serve the king of the universe. And that he's bigger than anything that you and I could ever face. And I think, church, I think that in a time such as this, in a nation where we are surrounded by unrest, where there's protest and people are dying and all of this stuff is happening in the streets, I think, church, that in a time where there is wars that are happening all over the world and nations are talking about attacking nations and we see drought and we see fires and we see famines, I think in a time like this, church, that you and I would need a real revelation of who God is more than any other time in our lives. Because if we have a real revelation of who God is, we can face everything that comes our way. And we know that Jesus, he's bigger than all of it, that he's more than enough, that we don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry about your finances because you serve a God who has cattle on a thousand hills and he's able to provide. You don't have to worry about your marriage. You need to work at it and you need to pray. But you know you have the God who said, I will sustain you, that I am more than enough. You don't have to worry about your health because you have the God who said that I put myself in flesh and I am your healer, that I am your creator, that I will come and I will rescue you and I will heal you. And maybe that healing will come physically for you now, or maybe it will come when you're standing with me in eternity, but you have a guarantee that you will be healed. You don't have to worry about where you're going to spend your eternity because if he's God, he's already pulled you out of the depths of hell and he's redeemed you and he's placed you in his hand. You are in a firm foundation. You don't have to be afraid of anything that comes your way because you know that Jesus is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But we live in fear because we don't have a real revelation of who he is. But that revelation is bred by relationship. So my question for you today, and Ben, you guys can go ahead and come on back up. My, re- my question for you today is, 
What's your relationship with him like? How's your relationship? The one who spoke and the planets flew into orbit, the God of the universe, you have access to have a real relationship with him. What's that relationship like? Is he God to you? When people see you, when you see people and they say, who is Jesus? What's your response? He's my friend. He's my savior. He's a good guy. Some guy that lived a long time ago that they wrote about in a book. Where's your response that Jesus is God and he's my God and he did clothe himself in flesh and he lived a perfect life and he died in my place so that I could spend eternity with him because he's a God who wants a relationship with me and guess what he wants one with you too How we see Jesus will determine how we live for him, how we pray to him, how we trust him, how we worship him. It'll determine every aspect of our life with him. And so I know this message seems like it was short and it was just kind of a set up message to give you some background on that little two word statement. What it means. I am. And why, when Jesus said it, the Jews' response was to pick up rocks, to stone him. They could not see Jesus clearly because they did not have a relationship with him. Had they been in relationship with Jesus like Peter, they would have looked at him and said, You are the Christ the son of the living God. And I just wonder for you today, if maybe there's something that's keeping you from seeing Jesus clearly, if maybe there's something that's keeping you for for seeing him for who he truly is. And I just want to give you a moment. I want to pray with you, but I also want to just kind of give you a moment to Just ask the Lord, like, is there anything that's keeping me from seeing you for who you are? I want to know you. Not, but not just, I don't want to just know about you. Lord, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to wake up every morning in that mode where I just can't wait to spend time with you. I want you to be the last person on my mind when I go to sleep at night. I want to love you. I don't want to just like you. I don't want to just desire the things that you can do for me, Lord, but I want to love you. I love my wife. I would die for that woman. I would give everything I have for that woman because I know her. I know her. I don't just know about her, but I know her. And we need to be the same way with Jesus. where We're willing to give everything we have, no matter what he asks, because we know him. Because here's the other thing, and I'll I'll be quiet for a moment. 
when you really know him, when you have that relationship with him, you can really trust him. You know, sometimes in in the Bible, we read things like, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And we read it and it sounds good. but We don't live like we believe it because our relationship with him has not taught us to trust it. We're, we're, We're scared of it. When he says, I'm going to provide for you, when he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, well, I'll, I'll take care of all the things. We read that and we think that sounds nice and we actually probably even want it, but we don't fully trust it. So we still think it's up to us to take care of the things. And then we, we stress and we have anxiety because we're worried about things that Jesus has already told us he'll take care of if we seek him first. So I just wonder for you today. Is there something that's keeping you from seeing Jesus clearly? And how different would our lives be if we had a relationship with him that led to a revelation of who he truly is so that we could know him as not just a man, but as the God of the universe, the one who's sovereign and above it all. Lord Jesus, I'm just humble by who you are. I'm humbled that that you would see fit to empty yourself of your glory, that you would see fit to step out of the throne room of heaven, that you would see fit to leave eternity and step into time to clothe yourself in flesh, to be Emmanuel, God with us, that, that you would dwell among us. I'm humbled by that because we don't deserve that. We didn't deserve that. But help us not to forget that although you are our friend, although you are our Savior, that you are God, that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, that you are the mighty one of Israel, that you are the rock of Sharon, that you are the bright and morning star, that you are a prince of peace and our wonderful counselor, that you are the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, Jesus, that you are Lord, help us never lose sight of that, that you are God and God alone. Help us all to have the relationship with you that leads to a true revelation of who you are. Help us to trust you because we know you and we know that your word is true because of who you are. Help us to see you clearly, Lord. And we will follow you all the days of our lives. And Jesus, it's in your precious name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.